0: Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Anna Nordquist wins her third major, Solheim Cup teams are finalised and he's finally done it. Tony Finau is a winner again. We recap a busy week and as always we answer your questions.
1: Hey guys, this is Ben Wiesberger and welcome to the Golf Monthly Podcast.
0: The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf, trusted by the AIG Women's Open champion, alongside fellow winners Tony Finau and Johannes Veerman. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Dan. I'm joined as always by Elliot Heath. How are you this week, Elliot?
1: Hey, Dan. Yeah, very good. Thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. I was away this weekend. Um, No golf for me again, unfortunately. I've, I've... started doing this podcast now and I haven't been playing much golf to celebrate about, which is a shame. Um, did you play this weekend, if at all? Uh,
1: did I play this weekend? I can't remember now. I played Friday night, I think, around San Zelfies. Uh No, terrible. So I got cut the week before, didn't I? I uh, yeah. went back up this week. My girlfriend got a first official handicap of 40.4. So, uh, you know, round of applause for her.
0: Yeah, congratulations. 40.4, a very specific handicap to start with. I thought they'd just give a nice round number, but okay, fair. <laughs>
1: yeah so with the new world handicap system i was not a fan of it at all because i just wasn't putting rounds in but now i'm starting to put rounds in sort of whenever i can every week every couple of weeks and yeah i'm really enjoying it i'm really enjoying tracking it seeing Mm. which rounds are counting and which ones aren't so uh, i remember fergus bissett wrote a piece about the problem with the world handicap system on the website a couple of weeks ago and the problem is that people are just not using it correctly and uh, i've just urged everyone to Just hand in as many cards as you can. I mean, it doesn't have to be serious. It's not, you know, like you don't have to feel pressure whilst you're putting a round in because you're meant to do 20 scores, aren't you? It's the best eight from 20. So if you do a bad one, it doesn't matter. And I I did a very bad one on Friday, but,
0: you know. I'm I'm a huge fan of the system as well, actually. And I I do enjoy putting in as many cards as possible just so it's representative. There's also way less pressure than in the last system because it was like... It, was, it felt like a bigger thing, a bigger deal to put a card in on the old system, whereas now it's kind of casual. If it's really bad, it won't count your uh, best eight out of the most recent 20. So it, it does work for me. And I, I did play in the week last week, Elliot, and do you remember we got asked by a listener how to break 80? And I, I started giving advice, despite the fact I had just broke 80 recently. I shot 80 on the nose after a double bogey down the last. That really hurt, I'll be
1: honest. Uh, what were you a bit nervous?
0: Well, a little bit, you know, I wanted to break 80. My handicap's 11, so I was still under, well, playing handicap's 11, so I was still under handicap. I was also playing my mate in a match, just like a little friendly match, Um, and I was one up down the last, and the 18th green at uh, the golf course I play at is a very sloping green, and I had a sort of five-foot downhiller to, to win the match. So I just sort of rammed it, because I was like, oh, forget the card. And then obviously I three-putted. So that kind of ruined it. I suspect if it was just a stroke play around, I might have broken 80, but... To my advice last week, just keep the doubles off the card. And I didn't I didn't do much of that.
1: Oh, that's a shame. Anyway, what were you up to this weekend?
0: Oh, you know, just seeing some powers in London. I um I couldn't live in London, but I love visiting. And I went to the Tate Modern, you know, I did some cultured things. Um, unfortunately couldn't play golf. But I did see a few people on the tube with their golf clubs, and I was quite jealous. But also I respect. Yeah, I do respect people on the tube with their golf clubs. But I also think, of course, that's how people learn to play golf. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's look at the golf has happened this week then Elliot. Uh, and we've got to start with the final major of the season, the Women's Open at Carnoustie, which was won in triumphant style by Anna Nordqvist. Uh that was a third major. Um she finished at 12 under to beat Madeleine Sagstrom, Georgia Hall and Lizette Salas by one shot. Uh Nana Madsen was tied fifth. That's a double bogey the last which featured a fairly brutal shank from the greenside bunker. Nordquist moves from 54th to 16th in the world, um, and that's major season over as well, Elliot. It was, it was a great week, um, great to see the ladies play at Carnoustie, it looked tough out there. I think 12, uh, sorry, 13, no, 12 under was a really good score to get to from Nordquist. very impressive. And I couldn't quite work out who was going to win it on the last day, there were a few people that could and then Nordquist just sort of uh, had the bottle to, to to get over the line.
1: Yeah, great week. love Carnoustie I think they set it up really well. It wasn't too easy like it was last time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just a brilliant finish. Um, great to see a European win her third major. Uh, obviously, this is a, a time that's dominated by the Asians and, and the Americans. So always good when you can see the Europeans up there, especially in a Solheim Cup year with the Solheim Cup next week. So um, yeah, great to see how it finished. Um, gutted for Nana Madsen because she played so well. And um, to, to almost, I wouldn't say embarrass herself, but, you know, I'm sure she was very, very disappointed to shank it on the last like she did. And um, yeah that's a shame. But then obviously she's in the Sarheim Cup team. So great for her and gutted that Georgia Hall didn't quite get over the line. But yeah, a really good week um, and a very, very long time until the next major now.
0: I know. A slight relief from our perspective on that. There's been a lot of major coverage over the last 12 months. Uh, one thing I did pick up on was, did you see Sagstrom got her ball sort of moved up the fairway by a seagull that carried it about 25 yards?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, funny enough, this actually happened at my golf club last year. There was a, a rogue crow around um, our little amen corner. So thirteens a downhill par three and then 14, little dog leg par four and uh, I'd seen it happen to the group behind me when I was on the 14th tee. And then a couple of weeks later, I striped it down the 14th and my ball was never there. So I think the crow got me as well. So, <laughs> Is this just a
0: particularly aggy crow? That's just like, who are all these people hitting you know golf balls in my, in my space?
1: <laughs> it could be, it, it could have just been that sort of time of year. I don't know if it was, uh, you know, nesting or something, but yeah, it, it do you does know, actually do you know... happen on golf courses. Funny enough.
0: Do you know the ruling is my, was my next question. If, if, your ball was to be moved by an animal of any kind you know what you'd do
1: i would assume that you just place it back to where it was
0: correct yeah under and that's no what penalty. and that's what they did that's what they did under no penalty they <laughs> as close as they could to realize where it was um and that was that so that was a good bit of fun but you mentioned the Solheim cup Elliot, and uh, this was the end of the qualification for both teams two very strong looking teams uh, going into the event which starts on saturday the 4th of september um over in ohio in the states Let's look at the European team. So the, uh, the qualifiers automatically uh, Denmark's Emily Christine Pedersen, Georgia Hall, Nordquist, of course, Sophia Popov, Charlie Hull and Saganda, And then Matthew's picks. Uh, she went for Leona Maguire, who will be the first Irish player to play at the Solheim Cup. Uh, Matilda Castron, uh, the first player. Finnish player to play as well as Denmark's uh, Nana Madsen and there we were making their debuts as well. To finish off the team then Sagstrom, Boutier and then Mel Reed were the rest of the picks. This is a really good looking European team Elliot I think.
1: Yeah is isn't it? Uh, I must say a few weeks ago I did say to a colleague that I think the US are just going to trounce us because if you look at the world rankings the Europeans were really not prominent in the top 50 but mm-hmm. um, they've actually come on quite a little bit in that short period of time and Looking at the team, it does look very strong. Uh, I still think the US will win, but, um, yeah, the team looks good. I'm gutted uh, Alice Hewson isn't there, my partner from the Aramco. Um, Also, Marianne all I thought she might have had a chance, and Sana Newton in as well. So it just shows you what a strong team it is that those guys are missing out. So, um, yeah, it it looks really good. I'm I'm very excited, and it's great that Mel Reid's on the team again after her vice-captaincy role. So, yeah, just just bring it on. I, I really cannot wait for it now.
0: Yeah, and the last one was so exciting as well. But with it being won with the last part on the last hole of the whole event, um, Europe won by a point, I think, off the top of my head. Um, so yeah, I'll be over in the states this year. Inverness Club in Toledo, Ohio. The tournament officially starts on the thirty-first, Tuesday the thirty-first. But that's the first ball be hitting anger on Saturday the fourth, and then it finishes on Labor Day, uh, at the Monday in the states. The U.S. team then Pat Hurst captain's picks were Brittany Altamare, Mina Haragay, and Yalimi No. Three very good picks there that were made after uh, the, Scot- uh, the women's Open finish, sorry. And then uh, the automatic qualifiers were Nelly Corder, Daniel Kang, Ali Ewing, Austin Ernst, Lexi Thompson, Jessica Corder, Megan Kang, Lizette Salas and Jennifer Kupcho. And this is a strong team, Elliot. And you, you mentioned the European team had a you know, good end of the year and these picks are very strong. But on home soil, it's hard to look past this US team, isn't it?
1: yeah very difficult obviously got the world number one the world number one sister so i don't think anybody's going to be beating the quarters in the doubles <laughs> um yeah just a, a really strong team all you know lpga stalwarts year let me know has been in fantastic form recently obviously nearly won the evian championship and it's uh, been doing some great things so yeah with home advantage i i can't really see Parson. but you know that's that's the beauty of the Solheim Cup and the Ryder Cup, isn't it? It's not one of the world rankings. It's one on uh, the the teams, the decisions made, the you know the crowd, which the US are going to have in their favour, and, and many other things. So, um, yeah, you'd have to make US favourites, I'd say.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's always home home advantage there. It's pretty huge. Uh, so yeah, like I said, that starts on Saturday, the 4th, September. Loads of coverage on the Golf Monthly website at the minute, uh, building up to it. So check that out if you want to get a little bit more info about the Solheim Cup. That's the next sort of major event uh, in the women's calendar. Uh, so that was the Women's Open. Uh, let's move on to look at the Northern Trust. Tony Finau finally won on the PGA Tour again. Finally. And there was a lot of finales going around on Twitter last night uh, that Finau managed to get it over the line. Some fantastic stats coming out of uh, this win. So that was 1,975 days between the two wins. And his last win was in 2016 at the Puerto Rico Open. Am I right saying that?
1: Yeah, uh, an opposite field event as well. So not even, you know, one of the, the big ones on the PGA Tour.
0: Oh, was it? Like the one that um, Van Royen won like the Barracuda, like something that goes on when there's a major on or something?
1: Yeah, and it was the curse of the Puerto Rico Open. Nobody had won a tournament after winning it or something Um, I think Victor Hovland did but uh, so he was the first guy to break the curse
0: right so the curse is broken that's funny uh so since then he's also had eight runner-up finishes 11 top threes and 39 top tens winning over 20 million dollars in prize money since that is is winning Puerto Rico there have been 126 different winners and Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas have won a combined 28 times in that period what a cool set of stats um this was a really popular winner wasn't it Elliot and you could feel people winning him over the line um because of this sort of story and how long it's taken him to to win again and how good a player he is because he should have racked up more wins before this one
1: Yeah um those stats are incredible I think the uh, 126 different winners is my favorite <laughs> it's like the entire FedEx Cup playoffs standings have won since him basically uh. so you got to feel sorry for him a little bit but then The stat that says he's won over $20 million, you probably don't feel sorry for him. Uh, He's just had a new baby as well. So life is very good for Tony Fino. Been one of the greatest players in the last sort of three, four years, hasn't he? He had a great Ryder Cup debut. Um, He he had 39 top 10s in that period and uh, just basically couldn't hold a putt when he needed to on a Sunday and um, did get beaten a few times when he didn't really do much wrong. So yeah, great to see him win. He's uh, definitely one of the, best stories on the PGA tour. I know we've got a fantastic feature with him on the website which sort of tells his story. Um him and his brother used to hit golf balls into a mattress in the garage because I <laughs> don't really think they came from money um and didn't really have the best amateur career. Had a, a really long spell on the mini tours, I think, when he turned professional and um yeah just obviously a lot of dedication to his craft, a lot of years spent honing his golf swing and um, yeah. He's got two trophies now and, and over $20 million to show for it. So uh, fantastic to see.
0: Definitely. And hopefully it settles him down a little bit now. That is definitely a monkey off the back because it's what everyone was talking about. Whenever you'd see Fina in the top five or top 10 come Sunday, you'd be like, can he finally do it? And now that question will be put to bed. So he goes top of the FedEx Cup standings. Uh, he was 23rd coming up, uh, coming into the week. Other notables in the field, Cam Smith finished second. How about that, that that tee shot on the playoff hole, mate? That was brutal. That was a carve. And he'd been fighting his drivers all day. And that was a really bad time to carve on OB, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. So now. I think he was like five under on a five-hole stretch on the back nine. Yeah. But he got that tournament completely handed to him, didn't he? John Rahm threw it away, two bogeys in the last four holes. And I mean, Cam Smith did make a couple of birdies coming home. So he really did rally. But, but then, yeah, that. That t-shirt was almost like one of mine i would say that's like you know my trademark <laughs> slice to just hand tony female the tournament so yeah I was, I was a bit gutted to see that because i um yeah i wouldn't say i was supporting tony female i wouldn't say i was supporting cameron smith but i just wanted to see you know two of the guys really going at it for what would have been a massive victory um and smith just played his way out of it immediately
0: <laughs> if there was anyone who had won. Want- a, a tournament to be handed to i think it was fino in that situation so that that's for me that was cool i know i wanted to see a bit of a a, a face-off on that playoff hole here's a question i had that i was looking forward to ask you today you know let's say you carve the second one out of bounds and even his second drive wasn't that good i know it's a sort of a stroke a mini stroke play event a playoff it's not match play could he have just like shook hands with fino and said right let's call it a day congratulations or do you have to like plow on and finish the hole
1: i'm not sure actually uh i know officially on the pga tour website Cameron Smith hasn't got a score registered. So um I guess Fional hold his part before Smith did. But um yeah, I mean common sense should prevail there and you just like, right, right, Tony, let's just go to the bar, have a drink. <laughs>
0: I mean, apart from that, it was a good week for Cam Smith, you know, second again, good bit of money, good FedEx points, etc. He also broke the course record. He shot sixty uh, I had a putt for 59 on, on the Saturday of the event. I think there were four course records broken over the week. I think there were three guys who shot 62. I can't remember off the top of my head now. I want to say Spieth was one of them at, at one point. Uh, and then Smith was very close to a 59. Uh, let's talk about the course and the weather for a little bit, because that obviously gave us that delayed Monday finish. Uh, they were playing in New Jersey. There were nine inches of rain on Sunday after Hurricane Henri, not Henry, as I, I thought it was, Henri, uh, hit the area. Uh, they suspended play on Sunday. You know, before a ball was even hit, they knew it was coming. And I've got to say, to get that place playable on Monday in the way it was, with only you know, minimal standing water around, was really impressive.
1: Yeah, it was. We saw Lee Westwood moaning from his hotel room that they should just cancel it and get on to this week at the BMW. Uh, so yeah, fair play for for um, getting it done. It looks like an incredible course that I would love to play. Uh, obviously, the views of Manhattan are incredible, but mm. watching it. I was getting a bit fed up yesterday it was just too easy they were just hitting a wedge it would stop exactly where they hit it and it's like you know you're watching Carnoustie. we watched royal st george's a few weeks ago it's just lynx golf is so much better than yes you know, just american golf obviously this was very wet american golf so there <laughs> is you know a big um, reason why that happened but it was these are the world's best players you need to test them and it was just like throwing darts, which was a bit of a shame. But it was an entertaining final round. It, like I said, it's a course that I would love to play as an amateur golfer. But I think for the pros, at the FedEx Cup playoffs as well, in such an important part of the season, mm. they should they should look to go somewhere a little bit more difficult. I think
0: spot on. Oh, and they are; they'll be at TPC Southwind uh, this time next year for that event. But I think that would like to your point there. It was kind of perfectly encapsulated by. I can't remember what club it was, but I think Fina had 218 odd yards into a par five and just stuck it to like three inches and the ball just stopped dead. You know, that's that's, that's, not, that's not how it should be on a, on a par five. I mean, it was good for the, the tournament and how exciting it was, but yeah, uh, they tore that thing to shreds. Uh, but well done for getting it on. The atmosphere was a bit dead as well. There were no fans allowed. I don't know what you thought of the atmosphere on the Monday evening session. It felt like no one was really actually up for it and they were just kind of getting around as a formality with everyone with an eye on on Baltimore this week.
1: Yeah, it looked a little bit like last year, didn't it? Without fans. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know what the official policy was or how many were there. But yeah, it did look a little bit dead. And maybe that's why um, the spectacle wasn't really coming over as well as it could have done.
0: Exactly. Uh, so Alex Norrin was tied fourth, which is his second top five in his last five starts. Um, that played him in. I'll do, I'll do some more names that came in and out this week. Um, so moving in after being out of the top 70 were Harold Varner, Eric Van Royen, Harry Higgs and, and Norrin, who I just mentioned. Uh, moving out, who are in the top 70 but aren't anymore. Uh, Matt Wolfe, Martin Laird, Troy Merritt, as well as some big English names. Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Poulter and Wallace have all now left. It it was I like, I like the bubble stuff and you could see how much it meant to a couple of the guys. I think Keith Mitchell finished with three birdies to play himself into to this week's event at the BMW and you could see how much it means to them because it's not, and I think it's what Keith Mitchell said, but he was like, you know, it's not a normal week where oh, I can go again next week, we start again on Thursday. It really is like if you mess up here, you're not playing again next week. That's the end of your season.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good, but I, I still don't love the format. I know John Rahm said he didn't like it either, but the fact that Taylor Hatton's not there, and he's he's he was world number five at the start of the year. It's just he's not in the top seventy of the FedEx Cup standings. Matt Fitzpatrick again, world's top twenty player for most of the year. polter has been playing really well. I just don't really understand how these guys aren't there. And uh, also, Tony Finau jumping from what was it twenty third to first just seems a little bit silly to me. Um, but I I mean I do respect that these guys are playing for their jobs, and you could tell just how happy they were to make it. But um, seems a little bit of a mismatch in terms of the format.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels like there might be some changes coming just from the rumblings from a couple of the players. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, Some other news come from the PGA tour this week. Patrick Reed sent a statement out yesterday saying he was currently in hospital suffering with double pneumonia. Uh, He pulled out of the Northern Trust to look after his ankle, which is another ongoing injury, but has since been diagnosed with double pneumonia. So we wish him well. Uh, It means he won't be playing at the BMW this week. Um, and his place in the top 30 for the FedEx and his place in the Ryder Cup team could be in question now uh, with his illness and his injury. So, yeah, as we said, hopefully he gets better soon. Elliot, did you see Spieth make back-to-back triple bogeys on Monday? That was kind of funny. I hate to say it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, gutted. He was due to uh, return to the world's top 10 as well for the first time since his oh, slump, no. uh, which would have been amazing. And obviously it's going to happen very soon. But, uh, yeah, that was quite funny. And... um Just shows you how tough golf is, doesn't it? It was just
0: nice to see a bit more relatable from Spieth. Uh, And one other thing I picked up this week was Bryson's Bryson's card on Thursday. I don't know if you saw it, but written down there was just so many squares and circles on it. It was one of I think it was a piece of art for me. He should frame it. So he had nine birdies, five bogeys, two doubles, and made just two pars in a in a round of seventy one. So that was quite funny. And also, he's going for the he's going to be competing in the World Long Drive Championship soon as well.
1: Yeah, two days after the Ryder Cup.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how he'll do in that, because he he averages what, like 320 on tour? I'm sure he could turn it up for a week, you know, get back on the protein powder.
1: Yeah, uh, when he's like like on the GC quad, he's carrying it like 360 sometimes. So, um, yeah, if he gets the right golf balls, you know, a nice little baked out driving range, I'm sure he (laughs) can get it over 400.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to that. that. That'll be a laugh. Uh, Cool. So that was Northern Trust this week. We'll preview the BMW very shortly, but now it's time to talk about our sponsor, Titleist. Uh, First up, the Women's British Open champion trusted the Pro V1X Golf Ball, TSI 3 Driver, TSI 2 Fairway, and new T100 irons, as well as three SM8 wedges to claim the third major championship and first Women's Open of her career. She put on a stunning display with her new T-Series irons, making 11 birdies and just one bogey over her final 38 holes, hitting 79% of greens to claim a one-shot victory at Carnoustie. She was joined by Titleist golf ball loyalist Johannes Veerman, who trusted a Pro V1 golf ball for his first European Tour title at the D&D Real Czech Masters, where the number one brand in golf also topped the golf ball, driver, iron and wedge counts at Albatross Golf Club. Meanwhile, Tony Finau trusted the Pro V1 golf ball to capture his second career PGA Tour victory at the Northern Trust as more players put Titleist drivers, hybrids, utility irons, irons and wedges in play than any other brand at Liberty National. Head to Titleist.co.uk to find the right Titleist product for your game. Uh, right, Elliot, so on the European Tour Week, the Czech Masters, as I mentioned just there in the Titleist read, Johannes Veerman won his major European Tour title. Uh, he won by two strokes from Tapio Pulkinen and Sean Crocker. Henrik Stenson was just three back. He had a good week. He finished and tied for fourth. It was nice to see him play well again. Uh, Veerman is up to a career high of 106 in the world. Uh, I just mentioned Bryson DeChambeau's funny card from the Thursday. Uh, another fun card I spotted this week, I was on card spotting duties, uh, was Xander Lombard, who went out in 32 on his front nine at the Czech Masters and came home in 39. Uh, he didn't car a single par on his home with nine, and he played the last three holes in four over par. So that was another sort of relatable tour bit of content. I think Spieth's back-to-back triples uh, and Lombard going round, you know, in 39 made me feel quite good about my game.
1: <laughs> yeah, you do wonder how these pros do shoot some bad scores sometimes when they literally work on their game all the time. They've got unbelievable amounts of talent. Just like, how hard must goals be if you know these pros sometimes make it look as difficult as we make it look? exactly
0: exactly and to be fair to lombard i think he went birdie 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 bogey bogey double bogey bogey something like that it was it was brilliant it was really relatable i enjoyed it very much we'll preview next week's european tour tournament shortly but first let's look at the bmw championship uh, it's week two of the playoffs on the pga tour as john rahm defends his bmw championship title he went last year after holding that 66 footer to beat dj in a playoff that's the one i mentioned last week that i remembered really well End of the season last season was a bit of a blur for me because it was all a bit out of sync, wasn't it? And we were kind of in and out in lockdown. But, you know, just to remember, remind yourself what happened last year, uh, John railed that birdie put in. Uh, the tour has returned to Baltimore for the first time since 1962 with Caves Valley Golf Club hosting the action this week. Uh, the top 70 will be there with the top 30 progressing to the tour championship at East Lake. You know, No cut this week either. So just 70 guys going at it. Uh, uh, a nice golf course. I've not seen i've not seen before i didn't realize i went to baltimore for this long elliot
1: no i uh, don't really know much about baltimore i remember um no laying up actually went there on a strapped series strapped is one of my favorite series from them so it's well worth watching i can't remember if they went to this course but um i know there's a lot of uh really good sort of grassroots golf courses out there um and yeah i can't believe it, it hasn't been there since it's very famous for the wire isn't it i think
0: that's it yeah and the Baltimore Ravens, I know them from sport. But otherwise, yeah, I'm not too clued up on Maryland in general. Um I mean, looking at the players going into this, it's hard to pick a favorite when you've got I was gonna say it's top seventeen in the world, but it's not the top seventy informed players on the PJ tour at the minute facing off is you know, all the big names are there. It's hard to know who's gonna sort of, you know, put their head up and try and win this one. Again, with John Rahm defending, I know it's not the same course. He looked really good this week or last week uh, at the Northern Trust. He kind of threw it away though, didn't he, Elliot? I know I know we're not talking about that so much now, but he he, he should have won that event. I'm not seeing John Rahm do that for a while.
1: No, yeah, he's he uh, he made quite a poor bogey on I think the 15th, drove it in the bunker and then missed a six footer for par. Uh, Drive for par four next. He thinned a chip and made uh, a par when he should have been in it, and then. Did he make another bogey somewhere? I think he bogeyed the last, perhaps. But
0: Yeah, he um, the last.
1: Yeah, and he was just absolutely furious at himself, and, and rightly so. So um, He's the best player in the world. He can win every week and um, probably will win this week, to be honest. Uh, although, I'd love to see Rory McIlroy do something. He, he's been quiet for quite a long time now. Um, I think he had quite a quiet week last week as well. So, um would love to see Rory get into gear.
0: Fallen outside of the world's top fifteen for the first time in a long time, Elliot. You're a you're a big Roy McIlroy fan. I I can I've not asked you explicitly, but I can just tell. I I like McIlroy. I don't you know I don't live or die by him, but that's quite that's quite a big drop off to get outside of the world's top fifteen for him.
1: Yeah, it is. But then it also puts into perspective just how good he is. I mean, yeah, Jordan Spieth was in the '80s or something. I know Ricky Fowler's outside of the world's top 100, and McElroy's was in the world's top 15 every single week since I think end of November, 2009. So, uh, I'm, I'm basically as harsh as critic. I think, you know, his wedge play's been poor, his has been poor, his driving's been poor, but you know, he's still always up there. So it just shows you just how great he is. Um, but he's not Tiger is he? And, and that's who we want him to be, unfortunately, because obviously Tiger's basically broken every single record in the book. And, um, yeah, he's the reason why we judge people so much, I think.
0: Yeah, I like that spin on it though. Glass half full. Like even though he's fallen out, it shows how good he was. But it's just been a quiet month. He's not been playing like terribly, you know, when he gets a load of press attention for being really bad, but he's not he's also not really contended. So I hope, yeah, I'd like to see him do well this week. And listen, there's 70 great golfers going to uh the BMW this week. So that should be really good to watch. Um over in Europe, we've got the Omega European Masters played at Cran Golf Club. Uh, hosting it again uh, with a handful of potential Ryder Cup players looking to impress Captain Harrington, uh, Francesco Molinari, Stenson, Wiesberger, headline the very strong field in Switzerland, uh, which was cancelled last year to, to, due to COVID. So it'd be good to have that back. Uh, again, as much as we love the European Tour, Elliot, it, it, it's not at the top of our attention, you know, with the Solheim Cup being built up and some good PJ Tour action. But as I said there, it's, it's Ryder Cup time. I'm constantly on Ryder Cup watching this podcast, and this is a good chance to get some points and kind of get a bit of attention heading into an important month.
1: Yeah, I could see Molinari climb back over, which shows you that he does actually want to play in the Ryder Cup. Yeah, Um, I know he's had injuries and lives in California now, so um, clearly hasn't given up. And uh, he's got a good little three-week stretch, actually. He's got this one in in a, a strong European tour field, but... It won't be anywhere near as strong as a PGO tour event. Uh he's got the Italian Open next week, which of course he's won twice. Yeah. And then he's got Wentworth the week after the final week of qualifying and um obviously where he won in twenty eighteen when he was the best golfer in the world. So um I mean if he if he wins two out of the three tournaments, he'll be on the team, I think. If he wins one, he won't. Um stenson again to be fair they all need to win two now you, you can't Pretty just much. win the european masters and, and expect to be on the team so um, not the european masters isn't a prestigious event it is but no course cool. obviously it's a, it's a jam-packed team and and this is the time now where you need to impress harrington i think stenson last week made a double bogey down the stretch to, to miss out on the czech masters so uh, he's obviously in really good form and um probably one of the favourites this week you'd have to say actually after that performance and, and it'd be great to see him win such a prestigious historic event.
0: Yeah I feel like the pick's actually more open than I thought last week I, I tweeted last week that I felt and I think we spoke about it that Paul to Garcia and Rose felt kind of locked and I got you know a lot of people saying probably not and I think I agree with that now I think at least at least one of those spaces is is well open and, and well up for grabs it's it's just it's going to be interesting who's going to take that or not. I think the names you mentioned there are definite. You've got Bob McIntyre uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour at the minute, uh, trying to get his card for next year on the PGA Tour. Uh, or quick side note on that, actually. Aaron Rye's got his PGA Tour card. Did you see that? He, uh, I don't know where he placed at this week's uh, Corn Ferry Tour event, but he's uh, the fully-fledged PGA Tour member next year.
1: Yeah, that was great. I think he double-bogged the last to miss out on winning the tournament as Jeez. well. So that's a, a lovely little sweetener. And also Lucas Herbert and Matthias Schwab also won their PGA Tour cards. So three European tour regulars will be lost to the States next year.
0: Yeah, a bit of a graduation, isn't it? You know, we don't like to, we, they're both good tours, but it does feel like a graduation to go up to PGA Tour. Um, and Makita will still have two events to, to to play out there in the States. So, yeah, it's a really interesting event with a good field, a historic event. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who does get those picks. I-, I love Ryder Cup watch, as I keep mentioning.
1: Yeah, I did see you uh, getting your mind changed on Twitter last week. Um, I did, yeah.
0: yeah I, t- I tweeted about, you know, I thought you got to cause a bit of conversation on Twitter, haven't you? So I thought, yeah, let's just say those three were a lock. And a lot of people thought a lot of Bob McIntyre was flying around from like five or six people who commented saying like probably yes to Poulter. But we got, I think, McIntyre, I think Wiesberger. I think one person suggested none of those three and get some new names in like Wiesberger and McIntyre and have some fresh talent in there alongside the uh, the seniors that will be going. So I don't know what you think about that, Elliot, a week on from that conversation.
1: Um, I think... Well, I think Poulter is definitely on the team. I think he's been told already. The oh, way he
0: knows. He, the, the look in his eye, mate, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah, already playing Flights of books. I did see that interview. And he was trying so desperately hard not to say, like, I think Henny Koyak asked him, like, oh, what are your plans for the next week? He's like, oh, you know, two weeks with the family, go play at Wentworth. And then we'll see, As opposed as opposed to saying, and then I'll be at the Ryder Cup. He knows, right?
1: Yeah, he didn't say anything about, I'm really going to try and impress Padraig. I really want one of those picks. He just you know, said, I'm going to have a, a nice little two-week break and just <laughs> you know, imagine what it's going to be like at Whistling Straits next exactly. week. Um, and then, yeah, I think Sergio's probably been told that he's on the team as well. Um, you can't not take the Ryder Cup all-time record point scorer, who is still one of the best ball strikers in the game, still had a pretty decent season. Um, and then, yeah, Rose is probably the only one that could get knocked out I would say
0: yeah I'm with that
1: and I don't think it will be knocked out so yeah I'm I'm sticking with my guns
0: interesting stay on Ryder Cup watch folks it's so much fun this time of year and I know it's it's quite big for these players, but we, I, I kind of see it as a bit of a game, but it is good fun. Plenty at stake then uh, at the BMW and Amiga European Masters this week. That's your goal for this week. Elliot, let's move on to some listeners' questions. you have had some really good ones again this week, so thank you to everyone who's got in touch. You can ask us questions via Twitter. We're at Golf Monthly or on Facebook, Golf Monthly Magazine. Um, we put up a couple of feeder tweets out and we got a bunch of these, but if you want to DM us or whatever, send you questions in let's go through a few now so paul murray has asked what's the best golf book you've read um i i want to be a guy that reads but i don't read that much i know i should as a you know a journalist but i try to uh my favorite which my dad gave me quite a while ago is called maybe it should have been a three iron uh, my year as a caddy for the world's 438th best golfer uh it's by lawrence donagan who's a, a famous journalist and he basically well as it says in the tin there caddies for a, a a fairly average golfer in terms of professional standards and just sort of talks through his time. You know, he goes to South Africa, he goes all across the world, how caddies are treated, the kind of banter he has with the other caddies, the decisions he made with his player. It's a really good story and a really good adventure. So that that's my favourite one.
1: Oh, nice. Um, mine would have to be Golf is Not a Game of Perfect by Bob Rotella. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you think golf's so technical and all this and then you read this and it's like, It's it's played in between, you know, the six-inch course in between your ears, isn't it? Absolutely. It's all in the head, and he tells so many stories of how he helped um, LPGA players, PGA Tour players, I think, including Tom Kite as well, how he took Mm. Tom Kite to a major champion from one of the world's best golfers that didn't quite get over the line. Uh, And, yeah, it's just fantastic. I think Rotella started in basketball and, um, obviously, has expertise in numerous sports because, you know, it's all that mental psychology thing um a little nod as well for a course called scotland by tom Coyne. i read that this year got that in the um secret santa golf monthly um christmas do last year so oh, that's, nice. defi- that's definitely worth a read that one as well
0: that's a good little secret santa present they can often be quite average to useless can't they so that's very good um yeah three good books there i got the, there's a post on the golf monthly website about some of the best golf books to so have a look through some others we like uh I do love a golf book, and I think there's a lot of good golf books about sort of mindset and your mental attitude. I think the one you mentioned there is definitely top of that list. Uh, so thank you for that question, Paul uh, Kasabia asks, uh, "What's your or the best pre-competition warm-up in under 60 minutes?" And <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't play a lot of competitive golf, but this really made me laugh at the idea. Of any kind of warm up more than 10 minutes long. I'm, I'm a car park golfer, to be honest, Elliot. So if I have two or three putts, that, that's considered to me to be a very good warm up. Uh, so as a as a very low single finger handicapper, I'm kind of hoping you've got a really good answer here about a nice little 30, 45 minute warm up before a big comp.
1: Well, if I had an hour before a comp, I'd probably have one or two pints in a club sandwich. <laughs> I, gonna say, I thought you were going to say that. Um, But no, I I would just say stay off the range. So don't practice full swing. Maybe just like have a couple of hits in the net and just loosen yourself up and um, do some like round the clock drills on the putting green uh, because it's those three, four, five footers that are going to be the difference between you um, saving par, keeping the momentum, that kind of stuff. Uh, And also maybe if you can practice sort of like your 50 yard pitches, your 40 yard pitches. If you've got room in your your golf course, if you've got a nice facility um, because yeah, they're quite technical. And if you can just find something, um, Mm -hmm. especially if you're having like, you know, a little spell of duffs or fins, um, then that can really make a difference again to, to make the pars and and the bogeys instead of sevens and eights and all that. But um, yeah, a bit like you, Dan, I'm not really a warmer upper. Um, (laughs) I enjoy the, the social side a little bit more now.
0: Good. Well, I'm glad you're on my side of that. And I'm the same. If I do find myself 15 minutes, it's a few like seven irons in the net and then a chip and a putt. I think stretching as well is something I'm looking to get into. But if you can have a good stretch... I think that helps right probably sounds healthy doesn't it uh so thank you for that question and good luck warming up for your competition hopefully that advice goes well um <laughs> uh, mike whiting asks and this is an interesting question actually um why does sky show all golf tournaments under one channel uh, and then when there's more than one on, they go under the red button rather than spreading it over multiple channels which i know they do do with the cricket and the football for example um i mean it's probably uh how much they're getting paid, isn't it really? They can't spread it too much over too many channels,
1: yeah. Although they do spread it across the Sky Sports Golf YouTube channel now, especially with the women's stuff. Uh, I know they've got Sky Sports Mix as well, so um, probably two channels there because Sky Sports Mix and Sky Sports YouTube probably show the same thing. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it just comes down to money, doesn't it? I mean, if two million people were watching the European tour, then there'd be a Sky Sports European tour channel, so. Um, unfortunately, golf is not as big as football in this country, mm. uh, and that is probably the the bottom line.
0: Yeah, but I, it is frustrating, isn't it, when there are something you want to watch that's under the red button because the quality dips a little bit. You know, they don't have it on. They don't have it in HD, for example. And I'm I'm a, I'm quite a furious channel flicker, especially on a Sunday when there's lots of sport on, and you can't flick when you're on red button. So that drives me mad. That's a bit of a niche one. Um, but yeah, I I think if all of a sudden loads of people start watching the European Tour. <laughs> Mike, you might get the extra channel for it. But for now, it is what it is with Sky. And we don't work for Sky, so we don't really know the real answer. Um, Okay, another one from Kevin Dodd here. After almost two years without playing, what would be the best way to start playing golf again? Lessons at the range or slog it out on the course? Now, I I mean, I I think it's a pretty clear answer there for me, Elliot. What would you go for?
1: Um, It depends on your budget, but I would say if... Your budget's low. Find someone that is your mate or your family that plays golf, and just go out with them on the course and just practice a little bit with them. And yeah, if, if you you want to get lessons, then definitely get lessons on the course as well because the range and the golf course is just two completely different games almost. Because getting my girlfriend into golf now, she's been playing just over a year. She's got a full handicap now, and we have been to the range I think once in like the last three or four months because. She's a member of the club now, so obviously it saves us money as well. But being on a course is just the best place to practice, really, isn't it? It's like, you know, at the driving range, you don't practice out of rough, you don't practice out of dodgy lives, you don't practice your bunker play, you don't practice chipping, pitching, putting, all that. So um, definitely try and spend as much time out on an actual golf course as you possibly can. The nights are still kind of long, so, you know, even if you go there at seven or half six, you've still got a good hour and a half, two hours to just... Even if you only play three or four holes and just hit four or five balls on each hole, then um, yeah, I think that's the best way to go as opposed to just whacking 100 balls at driving range.
0: Interesting. So I'd have gone the total opposite answer, but I think you persuaded me there. I would have said like the course is one of the most frustrating places to be when you're like either new to the game or returning or not playing that well. So I'd I'd be like, just stick at the range until you get a bit of confidence, then go out. But you know what you persuaded me? Because they are different entities entirely and if you're if you feel good at the range you can be terrible on the golf course so that brings a lot of frustration but it's been two years probably a couple trips to the range a lesson if if that's within your budget just to get the the basics back again and then like you said earlier i think get on the course practice different things out of different lies find the time when it's nice and quiet and and hone your skills again
1: yeah definitely and um even like just learning how to play courses again so Mm you might really struggle with your driver. But actually, if you, you've been out of the game for two years, you're probably not going to be playing off scratch. So it um, doesn't matter if you just hit a hybrid off the tee or play the par fours in you know, three shots instead of two. So um, just sort of familiarising yourself back with your environment um, and just hitting off grass is the best thing you can do. Hitting off a mat it's just so different. Like, even me, uh, the driving range, I can't miss the middle of the face of my pitching wedge. It's literally like... Mm. You know, pure every time. I'm sure you're the same, Dan, and, and everyone listening. Then you get to 110 yards off a little bare lie and you just thin it through the back. And you're like, <laughs> it's just a completely different game.
0: And it's so frustrating because you know at the range you felt good, but then you got to think, yeah, it, it was the mat. So that's, that's a good bit of advice there, actually. And uh, Kevin, if you are getting back into golf, you know, enjoy it. If, it's, if you've been two years away, get yourself back in it slowly, enjoy it. Uh, and there's loads of great information on the Golf Monthly website about how to do some instruction stuff, you know, what clubs you might need. So obviously check that out as well. Uh, And good luck, most importantly as well. Uh, Mike Hetherington's asked, what's your guys' approach to golf in winter? Battle the elements or lots of range sessions? I'm a real fair weather golfer. Uh, I love the range of a December evening. Uh, Obviously it's harder to play a bit more because the nights draw in. I'll play once on a weekend maybe, but the weather has to be good. Like, well, good for winter, so dry. but I also just hate playing when it's really wet and I just feel my golf gets worse over winter for that. So for me, out of those two options, it's lots of range sessions and come back in February, March.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of evening driving range sessions as opposed to what I've just told uh, Kevin there. But put a lot of layers on, get down the range maybe once a week. Uh, and, you know, even in the the worst of the winter, there's still going to be maybe one or two nice weekends each month. So mm maybe don't try and play twice a week like we do in the summer, but uh, maybe try and play once every two weeks on a nice day. Uh, And I would also really favour courses that are good in the winter because I used to be a member of a course that was based on clay and basically from September to March, it was just, you know, a complete bog. So obviously there are so many great courses on chalk or sand or whatever that drain so well in the winter, especially the Lynx courses. where you can have fantastic days and, and still, I remember playing princes last year in um, probably like mid December. And, and it was like playing in the summer. It's still so firm and bouncy because links oh, wow. courses are just, you know, links courses are amazing, but um, yeah, just, you know, don't probably don't expect too much. Don't expect to play every week. Um, and yeah, just have fun, I guess, wrap yourself up where, yeah. where uh, long Johns. That's what I always do. <laughs>
0: I think that's what I do though, is I fall into the trap of wanting to play as much golf over the winter as I just have for like the four months, five months of spring and summer. So I think, yeah, maybe lower your expectations. And winter is also a great time to really work on something. If there's something in your swing you want to change or you want to change your shot shape or you've been rubbish at your hybrid all summer, there is a chance to kind of, you know, take yourself away from the course a little bit um, and just practice those things and get yourself ready for February, March. So yeah, bring your expectations down hope your golf course stays nice and dry and a couple of sunny days in December. It's a lovely time to play, isn't it, Elliot? A crisp winter's morning.
1: Yeah, it's fine when you're there. Like it's better than not playing, but you know, summer is just so good. Like, um, I remember a couple of years ago, I I took a picture on the driving range at my home club. Um, I like 8 PM and it was sunny. And I I looked at that again a couple of years later and I was just like, I've never taken summer for granted again. So, um, (laughs) Every time I'm out there on an evening with my friends or my dad or my girlfriend, I'm I just always really try and like soak it in and I'm I'm just like, We're so lucky, like mm. in three months it's gonna be pitch black now. So oh. um, yeah, it, I, I hate the winter so much for golf, it just breaks my heart.
0: You, you can kind of feel it coming at the minute as I well, can't you, the nights is sort of drawing in now in, in late ish August. But I was out when I played in the week, I think it was like half seven, eight, and yeah, you just gotta stop for a moment and go, Okay, I'm not gonna get this in a few months' time, enjoy yeah. it. And a summer yeah. evening is better than a winter morning, actually. Yeah, I'll take that back.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely need to um, like get a holiday home in Portugal and just live there for the, the winter time. I can definitely see why people do that.
0: I mean, should that be our recommendation to Mike? Should you say, Mike, listen, mate, go buy yourself a house in Portugal, then you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good bit of consumer advice, though. Okay, final question for this pod to wrap it up. Uh, Stuart Biddle asks, uh, which new venue or old venue could realistically be added to the open rotor? um this is a cool question i think the key word in this question though ellie is realistically because you've got to think can it support the infrastructure and the media circus that comes along with a with a major event like the open
1: yeah that, that is key actually and the one i was going to say wouldn't be realistic
0: um so go, go for it anyway mate it's <laughs> we, we i've got a realistic one i think what well, i do actually go on
1: so new venues i would go trump aberdeen uh yeah. are, I haven't actually played it but i've seen pictures and i've heard what people think of it and it is spectacular it was built for golf tournaments and maybe it's not uh you know your traditional links but it's somewhere where i would love to see the open championship held albeit uh if they're not going to host it at trump turnbury they're probably not going to host it at trump aberdeen either and then old school i would love to see it go to wales and um uh, royal Portcull. obviously it's the the whole infrastructure thing again but you know, the rna have many many millions and i'm sure there can be ways around it there can be car parks built there can be deals made to to get the the world's oldest and greatest major there because we've seen it in northern ireland now we've seen it in scotland we've seen it in england but we've never seen it in wales and um, wales has some of the best courses in britain especially portugal and it would be lovely to see it there
0: that's a great shout that's a great argument for it as well we need to have one in wales and yeah they can build the infrastructure why not? They're very rich. I'd have gone so new. I think Dunbarney Links looked awesome uh, for the Women's Scottish Open. I think that could very much do an open. And then you know, Trump Turn, has got to come back at some point, hasn't it? I think it will be back there very soon um, when all that blows over, if you know what I mean. But you're right, Trump Aberdeen's got the same issue. Uh, do you think link? Do you think the open should always be on links, Elliot? You know, if we're talking potential new courses, do you think it has to always be on links?
1: Um, no i personally I, I wouldn't think that especially with the the senior open and the women's open i know they're different tournaments but they've been played on heathland or parkland courses and my favorite golf course ever is sunningdale and i would love to see it there yeah another one i'd love to see actually sorry would be ganton i know ganton is the only course to have hosted the curtis cup walker cup amateur championship and Ryder cup i think oh, wow. um, and maybe it doesn't quite have the length or something like that. But that is a fantastic golf course. Uh, it's nowhere near the see, but it is basically a Lynx golf course. So um, that's another one I'd love to see. But um, yeah, it's got to be a Lynx, hasn't it? Because that's just, you know, the reputation that it's built up.
0: Yeah, I feel, I feel like that's kind of a hallowed principle, isn't it? It has to be on Lynx. But I agree. I think when the the seniors was at Sunningdale this year, it didn't take away from like, it still felt like an open sort of. But I don't know if it would if you suddenly took like the main men's tour to a non-links course of the open. I think that would annoy quite a few people.
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely would. It wouldn't annoy me at all. But yeah, it definitely would annoy some people.
0: <laughs> Brilliant question. Thank you for those questions, guys. Um, as I said, we'll be doing that at the end of every pod coming up. So get your questions in via Twitter, via Facebook anything you want us to answer we will try to well not anything that's a bit extreme anything golf related um such as those excellent questions there uh so that will about wrap it up elliot thank you so much again another great week of golf
1: yeah thanks dan thanks for your questions listeners and please do leave us a review on apple Podcasts if that's where you listen and um, we've had some great reviews lately so really appreciate those um and obviously they just help us get out the charts so yeah thanks a lot and we'll speak to you again next week